Now, we've got one minute to go, but uh, how many of you can read what's on the sign? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> can you read? Can you? No. There's cottage cheese. Woo! They, we, it's real good stuff. But we had we had some left over, and so we brought it into the fridges in here. But rather than me bring all the cottage cheese over to this side this morning and then take it all back if you didn't want it, I will go over and I will get you cottage cheese and bring it to your car. It doesn't oh. expire until in May. Really? And it's Whoa. Whoa. And, uh, well, your knee must be feeling better. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Got my meds in Saturday afternoon. Woo-hoo. But uh, we've got lots, 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 lots of cottage cheese. And we, how many of you like cottage cheese? Whoa, my goodness. I'm going to clear out the fridge. <laughs> so, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go over and put it on a roller cart and take it up the ramp by the fireside room and have it up at the top. And you just bring your little car over there and I'll load you up. Where's the fireside room? That's the Fellowship Hall of there's only one ramp in this whole place. There's a ramp right over there. There's a marker, uh, a cone in front of it, an orange cone, because one month people rammed into the the ramp area, and Jeff had to repair it, so we had, we had it marked. Don't you be that person. <laughs> so, so we have cottage cheese, and it's good stuff. And it needs to find a home with you. I saw where uh, Charles Stanley died. Did yes, you hear that? yes, Charles Stanley passed away. Great, great man of God. Awesome teacher, preacher. Maybe his son will get saved. That's what I was What? From the front. All right. Wait a minute. Oh, scared me. It didn't go on. Okay, prayer by the book. We're not in a hurry. We're just going to make it through. We're all the way up to the book of Jonah. And learning prayer principles. I hope it's been a beneficial study for you. Uh, it's uh, there's a lot in this book about prayer and principles, and we're going to go there today in the book of Jonah. In the book of Jonah. Let's have a word of prayer and get started today. Father, we thank you once again for the privilege that is ours to study your word with your Holy Spirit in attendance, guiding us into all truth. And we pray, Father, that your word would come alive to us today, and not just alive to us, but help us to share that word with someone else. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
to the book of Jonah, chapter 1, and verse 10 we'll start with. Y'all know this story, amen? I'm not going to be able to teach you anything new about the story, but uh, as I've been studying this, uh, this book, rereading it time and time again, The Lord just really showed me some things in there, things that I'd noticed before, but just really made them come to life. So, not only are we going to be looking at Jonah today, (laughs) but Sunday morning I'm going to be preaching out of Jonah as well. Some of the things that the Lord pointed out to me, uh, very important, important things for us to understand. But Jonah chapter 1, beginning with verse 10. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. And he said to them, Pick me up. Throw me into the sea, (laughs) then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to land, and they could not, for the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. Therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life, and do not charge us with innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah, picked him up, threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Oh, we know this story. And we we think of it often and use it as illustrations often. And we want to focus on, on the prayers that are in this small little book of Jonah. The first principle we want to look at is... Come on, backwards. The prayers of the sailors. We want to look at the prayers of the sailors. Uh, they picked, they actually prayed twice. Okay, so there's several prayers, but we don't know what their first prayer to because it doesn't really matter because they prayed to their gods first and foremost when they uh, the storm was raging. And, you know, when you get uh, sailors that are afraid, professional mariners afraid, uh, you got yourself a storm, you know. Doesn't take much for me to get afraid out on the water, but you get a professional out there. Uh, Look at, uh, can I get somebody to read Jonah 1-5 for us? We'll do that. Jonah 1-5. Don't everybody raise your hand at once? Okay, shut up. 
Then, some, <clears throat> then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God, and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down to the lowest parts of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. Okay. The mariners cried out to their gods first. Small g. Uh, where do unbelievers go? What do they turn to when crisis hits their lives? Here, these sailors, they cried out to their gods, their false gods. Not the, uh, but I think it's an interesting question. Where do, where do unbelievers turn in crisis? Some of them turn to booze. Some of them turn to booze, and um, you look at the situations around, uh, and we they call us old fuddy-duddies or, or uh, Bible thumpers when we talk about it, but don't drink. <laughs> don't get drunk. Don't, don't turn to the bottle, because the bottle does not solve your problem. What does the turn into alcohol do for your problem? It makes you worse and less able to deal with your problem. <clears throat> you know, some people turn to it to, to numb their senses, but then they're going to sober up. And it'll be that much worse. You're dealing with your crisis with a huge headache. <laughs> or so I understand. Never been drunk. Never imbibed. Uh, never was my thing. I had some... Uh, the Keen clan has a, a track record of a bunch of drunks and fools. <laughs> and uh, it was sufficient to keep me away from it. I wanted no part of the drunks that I'd seen. Uh, have you had any experience with people who were drunk and that did bad things and uh, it didn't make their situation any better. No, any worse. Yeah, that's a. Anybody want to share? My dad. My dad doesn't drink. Really? That's was pretty bad. He's a good worker, a good man when he was sober, but he stayed drunk almost every weekend. Oh, my. I had my mom was an alcoholic. Hmm. But she thankfully got saved. Praise she God. It's uh, over the years I've had so many people that hated the holidays because yeah. at, it was at the holidays when their parents had some time off <clears throat> that they just stay drunk over the holidays and make it a terrible time for everybody. And it took them years to, to, to overcome the tragic reminders of the the alcohol and the and the drunkenness and everything. The uh, one day my my brother Tom came back. He, he somebody ran into his car in the parking lot and uh, got out and found out it was one of our neighbors drunk. He didn't even see. Him. I mean, he was just 
fallen all over himself drunk and went back and found two of his children in the back seat. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Just, just, a, oh, about a month ago, we got a call from Emery, our granddaughter, and she's, she's talks to Grandma. She says, oh, Grandma, I am very serious. We've got a terrible situation here. <laughs> and, and it was terrible. A, a guy had come down uh, Demarest, missed the curve, and plowed into their driveway. Were you there at that? Mm-hmm. Flipped the car. The guy was drunk. And he was so drunk when they had to use the jaws of life to get him out of the car to take him to the hospital. And he was so drunk, he thought his granddaughter was in there. Or not granddaughter, his daughter was in there. A ten-year-old. And so the whole crew was out looking for the body of a... And then, I guess she wasn't. He was so drunk. Oh. Yeah. I think everybody knows so being here, but one time uh, her dad brought her to me. He was so drunk he could hardly bring her up to the door. And he needed to get off the road, get home, or just don't do nothing. And I drive Sophia in the house, and I thought, this is what this little thing has to deal with, mm-hmm. you know. But he was just stabbing all over the place, bringing her up to the door. Oh my goodness! He could have killed John. Yeah. It. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. We, we. Were, I was raised at uh, 3414 Westerville Road uh, here in Columbus, Ohio, and just north of Ennis Road, up in the north end, south of Westerville area. And at the corner of Ennis and Westerville Road was a bar. And every weekend, without fail. They'd come out of there drunk and knock our mailbox <laughs> into submission. My dad got so angry, he he bought a steel pipe this big around, sunk it down, filled it with concrete. And he was so thrilled when they came out and they totaled their car running into that pole. <laughs> but but I was I was a paper boy. And Two men that lived right next door to the bar came staggered out of the bar one one Friday night, walked right in front of a speeding car. One was killed instantly. The other had huge head trauma and was years. And uh, mom didn't have to say anything about it to me. You know, don't drink. They say, well, don't drink and drive. Don't drink and even walk. And I delivered the paper to both of those houses. And I, as a young person, like 12 years old, I'm walking up to weeping mothers and daughters over the one that died. And then the other one, uh, he finally got out of the hospital but this huge indentation in his head where they had to put plates in and everything. 
And he would say, would, would you come just sit and talk with me a while? And that, that's riveted in my memory. We're not going to get through our lesson if I keep doing this. Uh, other things that people turn to <laughs> in crisis rather than to the Lord. Yeah. And you know, I found that they go come to Christians and now I'm to pray. Yeah, they, they, they will, sometimes they'll come to Christians and ask them to pray. We're going to be talking about that in a minute uh, because uh, this is an important thing that that uh, I really believe we need to do more of. Uh, I'll explain in a moment. What are some other things that people turn to in crisis when they don't know the Lord? Drugs. Drugs. They, they, they get into uh, drugs and people say, well, you know, they ought to legalize marijuana because there's so many, many beneficial things. Well, you're an idiot. That's right. That's right. There's beneficial things. It fills a lot of people's pockets. Yes, yes, yes. The cartels down south are not. Love you to be. Uh, it's a gateway drug. And if you want that feeling and it no longer gives it to you, then you progress on to other drugs. You look at the uh, the things that are going on now. They're they're finding uh, a fentanyl. They mix it with fent uh, the, the cocaine. They mix it with fentanyl to give them a bigger rush, and it's killing people right and left. You've seen it on the the news. And then then now they have another brand out uh, that they're they're mixing it with an animal tranquilizer yeah, yeah. that. Uh, gives you a bigger high, and then you have people so addicted that they think the ultimate, then, is to OD, and then have Narcon bring you back. The, the drug Narcon to bring you back. And they go right back out and try it again. Uh, <coughs> we have a crisis. The thing I don't understand is why would you, knowing what the result can be, why would you do it the first time? Yeah. yeah. I don't think they believe the result. They either don't believe the result or Satan is so good at convincing you that this is good for you. This is a, this is a good idea. He was good with Eve in convincing her God doesn't know what he's talking about. This will make you better to eat this fruit. You're going to be smart. Oh, yeah. And uh, so she cooked up an, an apple strudel and fed it to, to Adam as well. And they both knew better. The uh, Satan's really good at convincing you that this will do you good. It won't do you harm. Yeah. Maybe they want that afterlife experience. Yeah, they, they want that. They want, uh, uh, and like I said, the, 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 the rash of people right now, that the police, I've, I've talked to police officers and said, yeah, we have to carry Narcan with us. And it's dangerous to us to go into situations when there's a drug addict because. 
just a little thimbleful uh, touch of a of a needle prick can kill you. Well, that's what I want to have, you know. And so they're they're looking for a bigger high to go to the very point of death and then come back from it and be able to tell their friends. And they've had recorded incidents where a person received Narcan because they had a fentanyl overdose and within two weeks they did it again. Deceived. Deceived. So rather than call out to God, they turned to their idols. Yes. These men, yes. these sailors. What else do people turn to who don't turn to the Lord in times of crisis? Probably Satan. Well, they, 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 they may uh, uh, just give themselves over to uh, that inclination of evil and you wonder, you look at some of the deeds that people do and you say, well, what possessed them to, to do that? Well, I think you got the right word. Yeah. Yeah. You look at these mass killings and and the people just walking in and uh, blowing somebody away because uh, they, they wronged them in some way. Uh, we're, people want to talk about other places in the world, it's very, uh, very uh, dangerous to be there. It's dangerous to be in Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. Yeah. Far more dangerous than a lot of other places in the world. I mean, they're killing them up in drive-by killings in, in uh, uh, last night's news. Drive to kill in Dublin. Okay? Dublin's a nice area, right? Well, until sin gets in there and and then on the south side and the west side the, the east side and uh, so it turn themselves over to the devil and you're going <clears> to <throat> have you ever noticed the, the timing of some of these uh, shootings what are they doing out at that hour yes. Yes. well two teens are killed as shot in a drive-by at 2 a.m. Oh, really? All right. Uh, they turn to other things. They Some turn to suicide. Some turn to suicide. And it's a... Uh, they're talking about uh, social media and how it's adversely affecting our young people and uh, the suicide rate is up mental health is a critical point they are now talking about having a mental health professional with a full time position in high schools because well they got guidance counselors that's not a full time uh, mental health professional because Kids are committing suicide. Uh, it all for starts a thrill. What? It all starts at home. Yeah. yeah. And and when you look at the, the the one tragic story, the kid uh, from the South End here in Columbus went on TikTok and uh, did.
did a challenge for taking a whole handful of Benadryl uh, capsules and die. Uh, it's it's un- unbelievable. They turned to a variety of they turned to false religions. These men cried out to their gods, their idols. They turned to false religions. And boy, do we have a chunk of those around. Uh, Rather than turn to the one true God, they may have had a bad experience with church or church people in the past. So they turned to some wacko stuff. Uh, I don't have time to tell you all the weird stuff out there that people turn to. The uh, uh, one particular case that I am aware of and... A person was in this church. This is this is for many of you were born. You know that years ago in this church and uh, loved the Lord, serving the Lord, whatever. And uh, but they had a family crisis. His the father who was unsaved was dying, and there was a a chaplain at the hospital and this man was very concerned about his father because he wasn't saved and the chaplain talked him out of being concerned about it and introduced him to false teaching that's out there that nah this salvation stuff and everything nah uh, no, God doesn't send anybody to hell. He's, he's going, even Satan is going to get saved in the end. This is a chaplain at a local hospital here in Columbus, Ohio. And that person became so wrapped up in that stuff, just total delusion. Uh, people, when people turn to false hope and false teachings that that uh, you know it's not God's plan for anybody uh, to to go to hell well that's true but it doesn't mean you won't go to hell if you don't receive salvation because there's only one way and to offer alternate hopes and ideas people turn to false teaching that sounds good and it says in the end times, doesn't it, in Timothy? Yeah. That in the end times, people are going to turn away from the truth, yeah. the cold hard truth of the gospel, and surround themselves with, with people who will teach them what they want to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Prophecy fulfilled. Okay. That's what these guys did. These sailors... They turned to their false gods in this time. And what did that get them? Absolutely nothing. But then, the cool thing is, Jonah basically gives a witness to him. He says, well, I'm here because I've run from the the Hebrew God, and uh, this is all my fault, uh, because I wouldn't do what he wanted me to do. And he said, why do you do that? (laughs) <laughs> and he says, well, if you toss me over, 
he's mad at me, he's not mad at you. And he was right. And they cried out to the one true God in their crisis. Woo! I like that. Yes. Because this is our first prayer principle of Jonah. Anyone can pray. No experience required. Anybody can pray. Here's these guys. One moment they're worshiping idols. And the next moment, they, they have a revelation that this God that's doing this storm is mightier than their idols. And in a crisis, they cry out to the one true God. I like that. And the thing that I want to talk to you about just a little bit is encouraging unbelievers to pray when they come to you. As, as Sally mentioned, how many of you have had this happen? Many times. Somebody will come up to you that's not a believer. They say, would you pray for this, this, and this, and this? How many of you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. yeah. it happens all the time. Uh, here, preacher, pray for this. Would you pray for this? Sure. But what I'm starting to do, I'm saying, you know, I think it would be a whole lot more if you pray. What can happen if an unbeliever throws out a prayer to a God they have no relationship with? What can happen in this story and other... Uh, what, what can happen? They can be saved. They can, they can turn their, their heart to God. When they're in conversation with Him, God can speak to them. Woo! I don't know if that excites anybody else, but it sure does me. Here, I've been praying for everybody. I'm willing to do it. But you know what? How about if I step alongside us? Let's, let's pray together. You and I both pray. Yeah. And, and if you're talking to somebody, let's see, I'm, I'm talking to I'm talking to Barb. Now, what does it mean that I'm Barb and I are talking? My, my attention is fixed on her. I'm talking to her. And uh, I can get nuances. Even if she doesn't say anything, I can get a sense if she likes me talking to her or not. I can see sympathy in the eyes. I, you know, whatever. If we get people to just call out to the Lord in their crisis, He's got their attention. And God accepts the challenge. And he can move upon people. Anybody understand what I'm trying to get at here? Mm -hmm. I, I, I saw that the other day and I said, Woo, I like that. I've read this story a lot of times. I never saw that. They, in the midst of a crisis, they cried out to the God that Jonah just told them about. He gave a witness. 
He didn't even mean to. <laughs> and they cried out to the one true God, and God heard their cry. Well, I like that. So, so the first prayer principle is, let me challenge you. When somebody comes up to you, and you may have somebody come up today, or you may get a, a, a email, or you may get a, a, a text, or you know, please pray for this. And you know that they're not they're not a believer. Why don't you encourage them? Let's pray together. Let's let's you and I let's let's pray together. God and you can assure them. The Bible shows me God even hears the cry of somebody who doesn't know him. Woo! You mean it? Yeah. Well, I came to you because I thought your prayers were more powerful. Not really. We're talking to the same God. And He wants to have a relationship with that person. Amen? He's not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. So encouraging the unbeliever to pray. Anybody can pray. No experience required. And... Uh, you know, they, they had not had any, they'd not gone to any classes on prayer. They'd not read a book. They they just heard about this Hebrew God from Jonah who's running from him. <laughs> not a real powerful testimony, but it caught their attention. And uh, they saw what was going on that was under the power of that God. And they were prompted to cry out to him. Because they cried out to their other idols and no answer. We live in such a crisis ridden day. And people are looking for solutions. And I, I have people all the time. Take, Would you pray for so and so? Would you pray for so and so? And I've often thought, why don't you pray for so and so? Yes I will, but anybody can pray. You don't have to take a course. You don't even have to be a righteous person. These people were idol worshippers one moment, and the next moment they're offering up a prayer to God. I like it. I like it. I know nobody else here likes it, but I like it. <laughs> okay, well, throw that principle out the window. I'll, I'll, I'll go to another one. I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. Yeah. they used to teach that... I know I've heard it before that uh, God does not hear sinners pray, and I and people used to say that. And I said, "Well, then, how does a sinner get saved?" Exactly. God don't exactly hear right. Prayer, you know. Yeah, but people. I've heard that a lot. Yeah, I re I remember growing up and hearing that same concept mm -hmm. that God doesn't hear the cry of a of an unrepentant sinner. Well, yet he does. And it's recorded here every word they said in their prayer to God. So, you know, anybody else hear that? You know, he doesn't. He won't listen to you. I've also heard that until you say God doesn't even know you. Yeah, yeah, that's, that is straight from the pit of hell. Straight from the pit of hell. 
going to get saved if yeah. you won't hear your cry. Pastor, have you ever tried to talk to somebody and tell them that, uh, you know, tell them that God's real and He exists, and they want to change the subject, or they feel like they're very uncomfortable, very uncomfortable mm -hmm. talking to you about it, and I think, I get the feeling that they're more worried about if they did what their friends would think of them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, uh, a couple of weeks ago we were preaching about the, the rich young ruler, and he wanted to get close to Jesus, close, but he didn't want to, anything to do with the cross, and the, what he would lose by getting close to Jesus. And there's a lot of people like that. And we're, we're going to be talking about that. You, you got my third point or, here in a moment.
chapter 1, and then we'll follow on. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights then. Chapter 2, verse 1. You know there's no chapters and verses in the original manuscript. Right? 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 right. Yep. So the way it actually reads... Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed. Then. What does that tell you? Stubborn. Stubborn. He did not want to go to Nineveh. He did not want to preach to them. Was it because he was afraid of them? No. He wanted them to fry. He wanted them to be judged. He wanted them out of there. And uh, I could only think, let me give you an illustration. The day after 9-11, on 9-12, what if the Lord had called you to go to Saudi Arabia and preach to the families of the ones who flew the plane into the Twin Towers. Huh? 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 I've told you before what the Nindavites did. It was a city-state they would go in and they would conquer. They had conquered many of the northern cities of Israel. And uh, what they would do is they would go in if they didn't surrender. They would, after they captured them, they would bring all the women and children out and watch as they skinned the men alive. And left them to die. Then they took the women and children away as slaves. I'm just giving you an illustration. Jonah wanted those people of Nineveh to pay for what they'd done. He did not want to go there. And he tells us later, I didn't want to go. You want me to go? I want them to fry? I know you, God, enough to know. I'll go in there, I'll preach about your judgment. And that they're going to fry. And then they'll cry out. And you'll show mercy. And you'll let them off the hook. And I don't want them off the hook. I want them to fry. That was Jonah's reason for leaving. He wasn't afraid to go to Nineveh. He was afraid of what God was going to do. So, he was stubborn. Amen? The boy was stubborn. How many of you might have been stubborn in the scenario I gave you? My hand is up. My hand's way up there. Uh, then, after three days and three nights... 
in a fish's belly, then he prayed. What else does that tell you? He was stubborn. I mean, what would it be like in the belly of a fish? Now remember, it doesn't say whale in the Bible. It does not. Everybody says, Jordan the whale, that's the only uh, creature that could have contained a person. Well, that's not true. Uh, giant sharks, large sharks, have been recorded of keeping a person alive inside them for two days, at least. And that, that was, uh, they, they were in bad shape, but they, they kept alive. Uh, they found an air pocket, they found, you know. But it uh, uh, doesn't say whale, so. <clears throat> yeah. the, uh, what else does this tell us about Jonah? He was desperate. He finally was desperate enough that he cried out to the Lord. It was one of those things where I, I, I thought I was going to die and I was okay with that. Okay? He said, throw me into the sea. He was ready to just check out rather than do what God would bring him to do. And so then he realized, he comes to himself and realizes, he's not going to let me die. I'm going to be stuck in this fish until I... He thought that about the first 15 minutes. But it took him three days and three nights before he finally, okay, I'll pray. Sometimes people don't pray because they know what God's answer is already. <laughs> Lord, what do you want me to do? Well, I have this feeling that he wants me to, but I don't want to do that, so I'm just not going to pray. Uh, what else does this tell us about Jonah and his three-day delay in praying. Yeah, yes. for his disobedience. He, he knew that same God that he was upset with for his mercy that he would ultimately show up upon Nineveh. He believed he would have mercy on him too. Finally hit him. But three days. Can you imagine what it would be like what are, what are some bad places you've been that stunk, reeked, and were nasty? Any, any bad? Huh? Court. Court's a bad place. Yeah. You know, just could live there forever. Oh, uh, I can't even imagine. How many of you don't like close places? <laughs> It's not like the Pinocchio story, okay? Where Geppetto was sitting there with a fire and, you know, and, and uh, sitting on a night, he's dry, you know. Oh no, we're talking about, there's my fish. I'm in the fish's belly, and that's all I can smell is fish. And, uh, so, not a very pleasant place, but he was so stubborn and so adamant about not doing what God wanted him to do. He would, he's three days and three nights. Any of you stubborn like that? Sometimes. Yeah. 
Nobody's willing to share a witness here. <laughs> And he's down in the, he says he's in the bottom of the Mediterranean Sea. Stomach acid. Huh? Oh yeah, stomach acid, that'll mess with you. How many of you have ever had heartburn? Really bad heartburn. Imagine you're what's burning in that heartburn. <laughs> it's all closed in around you. You're in a, in a little tube uh, surrounded by fish stuff and the, wrapped up in weeds and seaweed and you can't move and you're just kind of there. <laughs> three days, three nights. That's a whole lot of stubborn. And what did his stubbornness get him? <laughs> Nothing. It finally got him to the place Okay, I don't want to pray, but I will. Let's look at his prayer. Look there at chapter 2. Then, and only then, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly. And he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, or hell, I cried, and you heard my voice. For you, you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. Then I said, I've been cast out of your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. God, in the midst of his situation, gave him a hope. This was not it. This was not the end. The waters surrounded me. Even to my soul, the deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. It's like he was in an internal prison. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, turn the page, Keen, turn the page, turn the page. I remembered the Lord. It finally came back to Him. My prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Whew. So what were some of the parts of his prayer? Some of the parts of his prayer. Yeah, he was repentant. Amen? He was repentant. Well, of course he was. Well, no, it takes some... You, have you ever asked this question, what's it going to take for that person to see what a mess they're in without God? Am I the only one that thinks that? What's it going to take? You see people go through crisis after crisis and they still do their own thing. 
And I wonder, what, what's it going to take? What's it going to take? But there was repentance. There was also thanksgiving. He was thanking God in advance for His deliverance. I like that. He was still in the fish's belly, right? And He's thanking God for delivering him. Sometimes when we're in the midst of a crisis situation, our prayer can be one of thanksgiving because hope and faith rise up and we know God's going to come through. We just know God's going to come through and help us in this. And then He promises to pay His vows. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. I'm not happy about it, but I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. Out of his stubbornness of three days, he finally came to the place of acquiescing. Sometimes God will put you, allow you to be placed in a spot that is so tight until you recognize you need his help. I'm praying it ain't a fish's belly for me. That's right. I, I don't know. Oh Lord, no! Please, no! I don't. So sometimes we hold back on praying out of sheer stubbornness. Have you ever had someone that you knew that you were supposed to pray for, or you knew you were supposed to go to and try to make things right, and you just didn't want to do it? Anybody here? And then he says, that's it, that's going to be over. My problems are over. I'm going to die in the sea. Oh, no. My problems have just gotten worse. Sometimes God will put you in a tight spot. So, let's look at the next prayer. The king's prayer. The king prayed. The king of Nineveh. In chapter 3, verses 6 through 10. Who will read that one for me? Just like anybody can pray, no experience needed, anybody can read. Okay, Mary Lou's got it. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. Then he issued a proclamation in Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles. Do not let any man or beast, herd or flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows... God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. Whew. That's some kind of prayer. Now here's an evil king, right? Remember, no experience necessary. He heard about the preaching of judgment of God 
upon Nineveh and all its people. And he heard that message and it got to him and he cried out to God for mercy. Didn't have any promises. Never read the Bible because there wasn't really one around yet. He never, never uh, talked face to face with Jonah or anything. He just heard about what he heard about the judgment prophesied by the God of the Hebrews, and uh, and yet it cut him to the heart, and he cried out to God and encouraged everybody in the country, "Hey." I believe this is going to happen if we don't. What's in it for us? Why don't we just call out to God and maybe, just maybe, He'll turn aside His judgment. And He says that we not only want to repent, but we want to change our evil ways. And when God saw that they changed their evil ways and repented, He took His hand of judgment off. What does this tell us about uh, the king and about the whole situation? What do you see here? Desperation. He's gotten to a place of desperation. The word was preached and he believed it. There are those who want to tell us that we ought not tell of God's judgment for sin. We ought to just play nice. God wants you to be happy and prosperous and everything. But don't tell them about sin. Don't tell them there's a judgment day. Don't tell them there's a hell. This flies in the face of this prophetic book of Jonah. Jonah preached hell, fire, and brimstone and it touched the heart of a king who had never prayed to God before. Never been to church. Never received the Lord into his life and caused him to know inertly. Because the Holy Spirit goes with his word, doesn't it? And guides and directs. And he convicts hearts. He's to convict of sin, right? That's one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit. So when the word was preached by Jonah and word got back, the Holy Spirit zinged him with conviction. And he knew what to do. He put on sackcloth and ashes and commanded, says, I don't know if this will work, but I'm, it's worth a try. I need everybody and every, we're going we're gonna to dress up the horses and the pigs in sackcloth and ashes too. Nobody eats, we're fasting. We're going to show God we're serious. We're serious about our repentance. And, and God responded. Amen? With mercy. Here's two, two illustrations. People who did not know how to pray and had never prayed to God before a day in their lives have an instant access to God in prayer. Kind of impressive thing that I see here also, and I've got a, I've got one more prayer left after this. Uh, God saw their works. Verse 10. It's one thing to say you're sorry. 
and repent. It's another to act like you are. For instance, let's say uh, Mark had been picking on me. Let's say Mark here had been picking on me. And every time I'd see him, I'd reach out to shake his hand and he'd smack me upside the head. And uh, I didn't hit him back. I just, well, maybe he's having a bad day. But he'd come up to me and Mark would say, Pastor Ken, I'm so sorry I was having a bad day. I'm sorry, I, I, I'm really sorry I spanked you upside the head. I said, well, I accept your apology. And then after the class was over, I walked up to Mark again, reached out my hand and smacked me upside the head again. I said, what was about that you were sorry about? He says, well, I'm not now. But, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? Okay. This turn of the cheek thing is not working out for me well. You see, it's not enough to say you're sorry and repent. You've got to live like you're sorry and repent. Yes. You've got to change your ways. Yes. Oh, this is something missing from a lot of the, the preaching today yes. that I'm hearing about. You just say you're sorry and then you just go on and do what you've been doing before. No. Then God saw their works that they turned from their evil way and then God relented from his disaster. Yes. Let me read, I'm, I'm running short of time. Let me read Matthew chapter 3 verses 5 through 9. Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region around the Jordan went out to him, talking about John the Baptist, and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, <laughs> he didn't say, welcome guests, happy to have you here today. You know, you've come to be baptized, repent of your sin. He said, brood of vipers? <laughs> Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance. And do not think or say to yourself, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. What was John the Baptist saying? They come down to be baptized. A baptism of repentance, right? But John sees through their hearts. They're going through the motions. But they haven't changed their ways. There needs to be change. Repentance and then change. The best one ever was Billy Graham who said, Repentance means... South Carolinian, North Carolinian. Repentance means you're walking in this direction. And then you turn and you walk in the other direction. That is repentance. Yes. It's not just stop walking. It's you. You change. When I was growing up in, in, in Kemp Syker in the children's classes, our, our faith, one of our favorite songs was this one. 
You probably never ever heard it unless you heard it from me another time. It goes like this. You won't hear this, this chorus today anyways, except here. The things I used to do, don't do them anymore. The things I used to do, don't do them anymore. The things I used to do, don't do them anymore. There's a great change since I've been born again. Well, there's a great change since I've been born. There's a great change since I've been born. There's a great change since I've been born. There's a great change since I've been born again. Now everybody can sing. Just like everybody can pray. Everybody can sing on this one. And it goes like this. When I get to the chorus, there's a great, great change, change since I've been born. Okay. You ready with me? Now the second verse is, the things I used to say, don't say them anymore. The things I used to say, don't say them anymore. The things I used to say, don't say them anymore. There's a great change since I've been born again. There's a great, great change, change since I've been born. There's a great, great change, change since I've been born. There's a great, great change, change since I've been born. There's a great change since I've been born again. Now this is a tougher one. The places I used to go, thank God, don't go there anymore. The places I used to go, thank God, don't go there anymore. The places I used to go, don't go there anymore. There's a great change since I've been born again. Well, there's a great, great change, change since I've been born. There's a great, great change since I've been born. There's a great, great change, change since I've been born. There's a great change since I've been born again. Today, there is a preaching and a teaching of repentance without change. It's not Bible. We're not saved by our works, but when we're saved, we're going to work on some things. Amen? Okay. Okay, we've gone through the prayer of the sailors. The prayer, the first stubborn prayer of, of Jonah, the prayer of the king, and then the fourth prayer is Jonah's second prayer, which is not as good as his first one. Can I get somebody to read Jonah 4, 1 through 4 for me? There's a great bell. Somebody, somebody. Okay, shut Four, one through four. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish. For I know that you are gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness. One who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then the Lord said, Is it 
But it's his fourth, it's a fourth prayer in the book. Uh, what is Jonah praying here about with the Lord? I'd rather die than see your mercy on somebody I hate. And uh, I'd rather die than live according to God's plan. He was willing to have him throw him into the ocean. He wasn't willing to jump. He wanted somebody else to do it for him. Notice that in the first episode? You throw me over. Well, why didn't he just jump? He wasn't man enough to do it himself. And so here he said, God, you kill me. You take my life. I'd rather, I'd rather have you take my life than, than go through this. And then there's some more teaching there that the Lord uses an illustration. Selfish praying. It was all about Jonah. We need to watch selfish praying. Now, did he pray? Uh-huh. Was it a good prayer? Uh-uh. Not all prayers are great prayers. It's recorded as being a prayer that God didn't answer. There are some prayers God doesn't answer. That's a principle in praying. There are some prayers God doesn't answer. Praise God. Can you think in your life of any prayers you prayed for things or people or whatever that if God would have answered your prayer, you'd be in worse shape than you are now? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I, I've, I look back over, I was doing some reminiscing about different times I remember praying. For things. The first I really recall was I prayed for a horse. Not prayed for the horse. I prayed to have one. And that was on my Christmas list. It's on my birthday list. And God, my parents never answered my prayer. I wanted a horse. I didn't need a horse. I had a bike. But I was into westerns. You remember when that's all you could get on TV was good westerns? Amen? Those were the days. Call out some of those good westerns you used to watch. Gunsmoke. Gunsmoke. Wanted dead or alive. Have gun won't travel. The Lone Ranger. Maverick. Great westerns. How about, uh, let me name Cheyenne. Yeah. Yeah. Sugarfoot. Anybody remember that? Bronco Lane. All kinds of great. Quieter, quieter, break a rage of sense. Bold. Bold. Sorry. <laughs> great. Uh, everybody, all the, all the great people on TV had a horse. You know, who did uh, uh, Roy Rogers have? Trigger. And, 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 and who, did, who did the Lone Ranger have? Silver. Silver. Silver, yeah. Gene Autry. And who did Gene Autry have? 
they beat me all over that field. They took it as their mission to see how far they could hit me and make me fly in the air. But I couldn't gain a pound. I went to college. I played basketball. I'm six foot four, and back in those days, six four was a pretty good height in, in basketball. You were a forward, sometimes a center, but not today. So I was underneath the boards getting rebounds. Well, I was supposed to, but I was so skinny. I was tall, but I was skinny. The jokes, the skinny jokes, were terrible. Yeah, old King, he has to wear skis in the shower so he doesn't go down the drain, you know. <laughs> old King, you put a fur coat on him, it looks like a pipe cleaner. You know, I've got all those skinny jokes. <laughs> oh, God, if I could just put on some weight. My, my coach, my basketball coach, he, he, he went out and he bought me a case of nutriment that's supposed to add weight to you. I lost weight with nutriment. <laughs> My prayer was answered eventually. <laughs> Too much. <laughs> you know, I don't pray to put on weight anymore. I, I don't. I wish God would have said no. <laughs> King, you're going to stay skinny. I'd have been much happier than it. But uh, sometimes God says no. Praise God for unanswered prayer. Lord, thank you. I'm asking you to do a little thing with me before we close today. When you've got some time on your hands, ask the Lord, the Holy Spirit, to remind you of some stupid things you prayed for. Dumb things you prayed for. Things that, boy. And then praise Him. He said no. Praise Him. He said no. We're going to stop there for today. Four prayers. Four prayers. Five if you count the praying to the idols. Four prayers and prayer lessons we can learn in the book of Jonah. Praise God. So we're, we're going to invite prayer requests. You might be afraid now to <laughs> lift up a prayer request. But uh, uh, let, let's... Uh, how many of you have some unsaved loved ones that you want? We know this is a, a, a prayer straight to the heart of God. How many of you have situations you don't know what to do and you want God to help you? Yes. Amen. Yes. So after that, other prayer requests this morning. Pastor Kim Holmes, yes. uh, she had COVID for a while and uh, the reason she doesn't uh, hasn't been coming to Bible study is that uh, her heart, I think, is only operating about 30% of the mm -hmm. its capability. So she's not, she's very weak and she's not doing well. The blood pressure is really low. Let's pray for Kim. Kim, the blonde lady? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's do this. Can we just uh, join hands with your brothers and sisters down the rows there? And let's take moment right now and pray for Kim. Heavenly Father, we come in the name of Jesus. And we, we thank you so much for Kim. She, she so enjoys being a part of the fellowship here and studying your word. And she says time and time again, Father God, you know her physical condition and her heart condition and the blood pressure. 
Father, she wants to be here, but cannot. I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you would touch Kim's heart, her circulatory system, her blood pressure, anything that's amiss, any damage that was done through COVID, all the different things that are going on. I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, for you to speak healing to Kim's body this very day. That you begin to give her strength and resiliency and help and use it as a witness to those around. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Other prayer requests today. Oh. Yes. Um, I talked to my sister in law last night. My brother Bill, he's 83. Um, but uh, he's having health problems now. Uh, she said he's having a hard time walking. They're trying, they can't find out what's going on with him. But also pray for his salvation. Uh, when he was a child, he was the most tender man you or, or child you'd ever want to boy child you're ever doing. Um, but he he's he's just so hard hearted. And uh, I know it's not easy for her to deal with this. She's also dealing with my nephew Toby. Um, Toby I believe is um, sixty one but he has early uh, dementia. And so he's living with her too. So she's dealing with my, my sister-in-law's Kay and my brother-in-law's Bill, and then my nephew's Toby. And and they they just she goes to church. Um, she just needs you know uh, comfort and strength to deal with the situations with her husband and, and my nephew. Okay. Other prayer requests. Yes. Um, I like prayer for my niece. Her name's Renee. Uh, her and her husband are going through a divorce. Um, my uh, nephew is uh, Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott's personal barber. Oh. And he went back and forth to Dallas partying with the guys and everything, and he met someone, but now he's threatening my niece. And she's got a restraining order against him, and just me and my sister are worried for her protection. So if you could pray for Renee's protection. Thank you. Other prayer requests? Well, let's go to prayer, and can we have a couple lead us out in prayer today? And then I'll close in just a little while, lifting up these names, these situations before the Lord. And and take them to the Lord. Take them to the Lord in prayer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, God. 
to you, Lord. And I just pray your word would resonate in his in his mind, well and emotions. Lord, we pray for uh, his son Toby. Toby, Lord, that you would just minister to him, God. We pray, God, that against this early dementia, that it would be gone in the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray for um, comfort and strength for, for Bill's wife and Toby's mother, that you just give her strength and comfort, Lord. Help her. Help her, God. Send, um, I just pray you would send your ministering angels to her, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord God, we lift up these prayer requests today before you. Your word says they go up like incense. That they're a sweet savor. We're thankful, Father, you delight in hearing and receiving these prayers, these intercessions. It's pleasant to you. For Father, what we're saying is we have no place else to go but you. You're the only one who can meet these needs. You're the only one who can go and, and protect and surround Renee with protection in this situation. You're the only one that can soften a hardened heart. You're the only one that can heal rapid approaching dementia. You're the only one that can bring comfort in the midst of a strifeful situation. You're the only one that can reach our loved ones. We, we care about them. We want to see them saved. Father God, we, we entrust them into your care that you would bring people across their path. You would bring the word to remembrance within them. That they would remember who you are and what your word says. We pray, Father, for, for the unspoken requests of situations that we don't know what to do with, but you have a plan and a purpose and the power to bring it to pass. Father, we pray for Kim once again that you would heal her in such a way that everybody knows it was a God thing, not a man thing. We ask, Father, for those that are going through extremely dark times right now, and they need to have a sense of hope. And just like Jonah, still in the, the belly of the fish, had a hope that one day he would worship again in the temple. We praise you, Father, for the hope you can give us. Father, I'm asking for you to breathe hope into hopeless hearts right now. And I pray, Father, as we leave this place, you'll send us out with something to share with someone else. That when unbelievers come and, and ask for prayer in, in some way or another, that we would pray with them and talk to you. Father, let them strike up a conversation with the God who can change their lives. We praise you, Father, for the lessons we find in prayer in this book of Jonah. We ask you to speak these lessons to others through us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yes,